0: If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we.
1: I'm Saffa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we.
0: And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers. Cheers! Okay. What are we drinking today? Well, we have a new bottle of our favorite tequila. (laughs) I mean, it's really one of a kind. Uh, Dos Armadillos Reposado. Yeah. I'm torn because it's, it's like having dessert. Yeah. But it's also just like the best sipping tequila I've ever had. And they make, you know, the Blanca and they make the Añejo. And the others really, the Blanca is really mediocre, I think, and the Añejo, which you think would be aged more and have more depth, it just doesn't. It have doesn't the, light up like this one. No, this is this unique. is unique. It is fantastic, and we're going to have a shot, of, yeah, a sipping shot. It smells like chocolate. It does smell like chocolate. It's so gorgeous. It's really hard to believe it's tequila. Right. Like, you know. for me, I could see me putting this into a whiskey glass and yeah. have it as a sipper. Yeah. And I, you know, truly, I wonder, because I haven't played with tequila in this way, if you add a few drops of water, if it really changes the way... Oh, that's interesting. Do you know what I mean? Because it's the same process of the alcohol attaching to the water, right? Let's find out. hmm Yeah, it doesn't have the same... It doesn't do the same effect. Well, maybe. I mean, you have a it's try. It's hard. Okay, mm-hmm. let me try. See if you, you notice it. Oh, yeah, It changed does change it. Yeah. What you lose a little bit, but not in a bad way, is the pure, heavy caramel, chocolatey note. You taste the chocolate at the end. After you've swallowed and you press your tongue into your palate, you yeah. can taste the chocolate then. It's just different. It moves it differently. It also is tastes, to me, it tastes a little more green, like greener. I think I like it without the water. Yeah, I do too. Oh, uh, I do, too. I and I do that with scotches, too, because yeah. although I love how it opens it up sometimes, mm. sometimes I love the thickness of the flavor that yeah. happens when you have no water. Yeah.
1: I actually find that sometimes also yeah, you prefer it one way over the other with different bottles. I
0: do think but that. With this bottle, it's a
1: straight shot of chocolate tequila. It, it's, it is. It's lovely. And it's
0: a sipping. I'm This would never be a shooter for me. Mm-hmm. You could, but I wouldn't. Why mm-hmm. would you? Mm-hmm. You want to savor every drop of this.
1: Oh, that's just beautiful. It really is.
0: Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at weminder.app.
1: Kind of excited to have Hallie from Hi. Other Boyfriend is a Vibrator podcast. Yes. So this is kind of cool. We just got to share ourselves on her pod, so we want to encourage people to listen. Yes, but anyway, Hallie, welcome to the conversation.
2: Thank you so much for having me here.
1: Pleasure. We're delighted that you're here. We always ask our guests to tell us about themselves. So tell us who you are as a sexual creature, how you discovered yourself as a sexual creature, and how that's evolved for you over time.
2: I mean, for me, I would say it was a really, you know, strenuous journey. My first experience with sex was when I was like 18 years old. And I was with a partner who really kind of misled me on, you know, what it was like to be within like a sexual relationship in general, as well as like he was a sex addict and heavily into the BDSM lifestyle. So he like drastically affected my entire mindset around what was sex and what was healthy and what was consensual. And so that's kind of where I started at. And it took a long time for me to get to where I am now. It took a a 15 year journey from that point to, you know, now where I had to be in other cultures and learn to embrace my sexuality as like my spectrum versus how outsiders viewed it for me. And, you know, experiencing like, being able to embrace, you know, what I was interested in in a healthy way, you know, and bringing it into my relationships in a way that made sense for me. So it's been a long journey, but I'm really happy with where I've kind of gotten, you know, down the road and over time, and, and the people that I've met through my experiences has been amazing. So
1: okay, so I want you to get into who you actually really are. So. You discovered sexuality as a young person, age 18, and your partner was kinky, I got that. And you said it's 15 years to evolve into what you're up to now. So what are you up to now?
2: So for me, what I'm really up to now is really learning to embrace those fetishes that I was, you know, into and, you know, living in a kind of lifestyle that I wanted to live in. And so for me, that was understanding, you know, what were my turn-ons and my turn-ons, were things that, you know, were not straightforward for me. I didn't really understand what they were, you know, because I am largely more of a role play based person. And I seen around role play, right. So for me, like my orgasms tend to be more intense when I am able to seen and evolve a role play scenario. And that isn't something that you're like necessarily introduced to like via mainstream avenues. And so I didn't understand really kind of what it was to be that person who embraced role-playing as an aspect of my sexual self. And now I'm, I'm with a partner who really embraces that and has leaned into that and you know, so we take the time to role play, you know, with lingerie and, you know, latex and things like that, that really, you know, connect with me personally, even though that's not necessarily what he's into, you know, he's taking a lot more time with that. And so I've really grown into who I am as a person and embraced that more over time.
1: I'm really glad that you're finding yourself at peace with what you're into. What are you actually into?
2: So for me, I am heavy, heavily really into toy play. I am a large component of using toys within the bedroom. I am also very heavily into bondage. And that is something that we have been exploring as partners. That was something that I was able to introduce him to, you know, and move into the arena of using that within the bedroom. I am very much a switch when it comes to, you know, my choices. And so there are definitely times that I just want to like, lay back and I want to give him control. And there are times where I want to step up and I want to take control of the scenarios, you know? And so the first time that I asked him, like, if I could wear like really high heels during sex, you know, I was expecting him to be like, well, that, a that's weird. That shoes in the bed and stuff like that. But when he embraced that for me, you know, it really kind of opened the door of being able to explore more, you know, and do things where, You know, we did bondage and we tied me up in the heels, or we tied the heels to things, or we did the harnesses, you know, and it really allowed me to come out of my box because, like I said, my previous partner, you know, had created a lot of shame in me around what I felt with that stuff. And that, you know, that was somehow not normal to be in the bedroom and want to be choked while I'm having sex or want to be tied up so much that my arms hurt or things like that.
1: I love that there's really no right way to kink. It's so great. What I'm curious about though is, and I have this point of curiosity because we're a lifestyle couple. I'm curious about the world of kink in the role play experience. So you describe yourself as a switch. So tell us about what's involved in communication with each other to decide who gets to do what when.
2: So typically with you know, my partner, I would really say that, you know, we started opening up the conversations around, you know, what it was that, you know, role plays that I liked, and then clearly defining kind of, you know, where I was comfortable with those role plays. And so, you know, I remember the first time that I talked to my current partner about it, I came to him and I was like, you know, hey, I really want to do this, I really want to wear you know, full latex, you know, and, you know, scene where you're choking me. And he was very much open to that. And was like, I'd never, I've never thought about that before. But let, let's talk about why that turns you on. And through that avenue with him of actually talking about like, what I, I liked within the bedroom, I really started to, you know, understand exactly where the communication needed to be. I think that at the end of the day, right, the most important thing about role-playing is kind of defining, like, where you want the scene to go, as well as, like, what you're comfortable with and not comfortable with in that scenario, you know. And so, you know, typically you're, you're not really going to, you know, be hard and fast with like a contract or anything, but you're still going to embrace what you kind of, you know, what, what it is about the scene or about the role play that you need to have acted out. Maybe it is, you know, I want to, you know, be tied to the bed a certain way and I need him to say certain things to me. There needs to be a certain level of humiliation, you know, and I need to say those things to him so that he understands like, you know what the confines are just cuz you're saying this to me isn't going to make me feel bad it's the opposite that's going to turn me on
1: Got it okay good so you're playing with bondage you're playing with humiliation latex with playing with latex heels heel, yeah heels lo- are, lots, are important lots of fetishes
2: Yes i have like a 100 heels in my closet Ah, definitely a shoe whore.
1: Yes. (laughs) She pegged you at the beginning. I'm curious, you know, in the world of role play, do you guys discuss safe words?
2: I mean, we use more nonverbal safe words. So I don't typically talk about my partner a lot, but so my partner is on the spectrum with autism. And so for him, right, his brain processes a little bit differently. And so Part of our journey was also not just learning about kink, but learning about how he could broach, you know, the kink lifestyle and embrace it because things are very black and white for him within our scenario. And so sometimes, you know, when I can say things such as like a safe word like banana, right, because of his processing issue, he may not always realize like, oh, hey, wait, that's the safe word, but we are big, you know, on nonverbal, right? So we do a lot of like the, the foot tapping thing, because he's very actively involved with the heels and stuff. So you know, we do the foot tapping thing, you know, I do this thing where, you know, I nibble on his earlobe, if he's close enough to my face, you know, to break the the scenario. So um, he's pretty good at picking up on that kind of stuff, not as much on like, just like the straightforward, like, hey, stop. Right. And so we have like the bed tap and we do a couple of different things that he responds to much better.
0: That's really interesting. I love that because we have a population sharing exactly your existence and people don't consider this. And truly, if we talk about people on the spectrum, there are people on the spectrum that don't even know they're on it and that they've struggled with why they can't communicate properly with a partner So your sharing is so authentic in the way and the sense of someone saying, oh yeah, like I don't get that when that I've had mistakes on that part with partners and that gives them access to something new. So I a hundred percent appreciate you sharing that.
2: Yeah. I think with him, one of the things that we really had to focus on was like, so he particularly struggles with like the contextual aspects of like role play. And so like When you say something that's within the scene, right, you know, and when you're communicating normally, there are different tones and contexts with those things. And so for somebody who's on the spectrum, they may not always pick up the tone and context of what's occurring. So you have to, you know... Reiterate or express, or sometimes, like, there's it's really important with him that we go through a lot of aftercare if something happens in a scene where he gets so overwhelmed. And so we'll step back and we have to do the aftercare and we have to talk him through, you know, kind of the calm down and, you know, get him out of the spiral and stuff like that. So I would say, you know, in general, a lot of our journey with like consent and safe words came from learning how he could be in these scenarios as somebody that was on the spectrum.
0: Really important. It's super because I want to know, I want to say that when I drop into subspace and that probably when you go into dom space, I think we're very aligned with, you know, people on the spectrum, basically because we're not dealing like we normally deal. I'm not taking in language. I know that when I drop because we're using hypno kink now and when we do high protocol scenes with chains and I'm under hundreds and hundreds of strokes of implements before I even get to caning, I don't know how much my words are there and that Saffir is extremely good at watching my body language to understand what should be happening. In fact, even though I'm at a phase now where I'm asking for my marks, I think there was an instance, I want to say there's an instance where you had already projected that I was fatigued or before or under the weather or whatever, and that you stopped the marking. Right. You moved on in the marking ceremony just because- You were done. You saw me. Yeah.
1: No, that's right. And I applaud you for figuring out what it takes to actually be in communication with your partner, especially considering that he's on the spectrum. And what I'm wondering about is in the world of safe words, like the way we use safe words, we have two. We use yellow and red. We say yellow, which means, you know, I like what we're up to, but it's too intense right now. So back off, right? Then we have red, which means let's stop doing this.
2: And that means
1: everything's stopping. Everything's stopping, right? And the thing about red is that It's a hard stop. It's not like it's a negotiation. Yellow is more of a negotiation, right? It's more of a adjustment, a check-in, like, let's see how we go. So I'm wondering how, when you have nonverbal cues, how you impart those distinctions.
2: Yeah. So with nonverbal cues, typically we kind of vary intensity. So we have our stop one is uh, three bed taps. So like, if I am at a point where I need to step back, or it's gotten too intense for me, or, you know, something's wrong, or I need to adjust, right, I'll like strike the bed, you know, really firm three times, because that's no matter where he is, whether he's facing me or not, if he's within my vicinity, it's always something he can either hear or feel, You know, because people who are on the spectrum tend to, you know, be more attuned to, you know, textures and and vibrations and stuff. And so I'll just, you know, hit the bed really hard three times. And if there's ever like a question for him about whether that three times was like a full stop, right? He'll always check in with me and check base. You know, like I stopped, but like just to make sure you 100% want to stop, right? So if there's ever any confusion for him, you know, he does also do a verbal check in. But we do the three bed taps and then for anything that's like slowing down, I typically do, you know, the two taps with my foot on him or on the floor if he's not in vicinity and that's kind of more like I need to adjust or I need to change. And so it's becoming very aware of those things and like knowing that those things are the clue in the same way that when you talk about safe words, right? You Know that you know when somebody says that, right? You've predefined it. So in the same way with nonverbal, you have to kind of predefine it. You have to say like, okay, if I'm doing this, it means this, or if I'm doing this, that means I want to take a step back and I need to disengage from what's going on.
1: Is it the same both ways? So if he's bottoming, because you said you're a switch, if he's bottoming, does he have the same access that you do at the same vernacular?
2: Yes. So for us. Because it was easier for now, it's not the same for everybody, but for him, uh, as somebody on the spectrum, it was easier to use similar scenarios for both of us so that he was, you know, aware of what was going on, right? Because he wanted something that, you know, meant the same for both of us so that he wasn't having to, in that moment, search for what he needed to do.
0: Got it. Thank you. You say you go into role play, but is this a 24-7 partner or is this a we-meet-together play partner?
2: So we live together 24-7, but we do not live in the lifestyle 24-7. And part of that is navigating what it means to be on the spectrum and in kink with him. And so we don't live like in a full, you know full-time relationship 365, you know, with regards to our kink, but definitely within our personal life, we are, you know, partners and have been partners for a long time. We've been together for six and a half years. So in a lot of ways, before we took the journey with kink, you know, we knew each other as best friends and then moved into a relationship and then moved into exploring, you know, kink and what scenes looked like for us.
0: And that's so beautiful. I'm just curious because I'm in a 247, so it's a different mindset for me. And because you have established some agreements, let's just say, because you are in partnership. So he maybe he's not getting something in your daily life, like this is, I don't know, washing the dishes or something, or you're having a disagreement. Is he responsive, or have you used just out of knee jerk reaction? You know, like tap three times on the counter to get his attention to get him to stop so that you can communicate in a new way or vice versa. Do you see what I'm saying? Is is there crossover? I recognize that you're not choosing to be a 247, and I get that it makes total sense. But I'm wondering if instinctively there's crossover because you do have this relationship as well.
2: Yeah, there's definitely crossover because we are, you know, in a relationship where we chose to be within a romantic relationship before we explored our kinks, you know, There are several things. One of the big things for us is like we utilize aftercare at all times. So if there's ever like a disagreement or something like that, where you would typically, you know, need to have that soothing. Like I will go through his typical aftercare steps for him, you know, and similarly, if I ever need to like break his attention, I definitely do engage with and use some of the trends that we've adapted within our kinky lifestyle to our just regular, you know, everyday lifestyle, because those are responses that he knows he responds to them. And it makes it easier for him to engage in that scenario. So I just
0: think it's beautiful, because on so many levels, because I do think it's very difficult for us as humans, especially if we're in a relationship like you're speaking to, where your sexuality is part of who you are in relationship. So there are parts of it that are going to bleed over. It's just going to happen.
1: Well, you're making the point that we believe, which is that if you're aligned sexually, you have a chance at relationship.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. When I got with my current partner, I told him one thing that I think is really important for everybody, regardless of, you know, your lifestyle. You know, I told him, I was like, look, love is not fully unconditional. There is an unspoken contract you know, in our relationship for what you need, right, as an individual and what I need as an individual, you know, and so I told him, I was like, these, the things that are most important to me is that, you know, we can be like sexually aligned, and that you would be okay with exploring my kinks and things like that. And since we were somebody that, you know, we didn't necessarily meet on a fet life or within a forum, right? We met in our personal lives and took this journey together. You know, it was a little bit, you know, different navigating with that. But, you know, I really do think that it was important for me within our personal lives to establish where, you know, that contract of, you know, sex and intimacy laid with us, especially because, you know, he is such a black and white person when he processes the world You know, I wanted to be clear with him that this was something that, you know, we needed to explore together. And he was always very open and embraced that.
1: Now, I really appreciate you sharing that. That's been really valuable. Let's start a new conversation. Tell us about your podcast.
2: Yeah, sure. Certainly. I'm very excited to have launched My Other Boyfriend is a Vibrator. One of the things that I think I really saw in, you know, mainstream culture was just the negative connotations that you saw around the way media talked about female sexuality as a whole, and as well as like sex positive and kink positive conversations. And so for me, I really wanted to establish a platform where I could speak to people and we could, you know, really explore these topics that have been so taboo for so long to really embrace and get down to you know, what the lifestyle looks like, how is it, you know, how how can you be in that and be a feminist? What does that look like? You know, and also just some general good fun of talking about sex toys, because I myself completely love sex toys.
1: So do you actually review sex toys on your pod?
2: So we don't on the pod, but we do on the YouTube channel post up video reviews of toys, you know, and then We have some, you know, implements and and things that you would commonly see within the kink lifestyle. We've covered some of those. And so we kind of spread it out across the platforms.
1: Got it. And where is your pod available? Is it on all the platforms?
2: It is on all the platforms. So we upload via RSS feed to Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, and then all the other major ones that are out there. So
1: that's great. And how long have you been podcasting?
2: So we launched the podcast about two months ago. And so we're about 15 episodes in in total. And so it's a new journey for us. And we're learning a lot about it. But it's just great to be able to have you know these conversations with people people. people out there in the world and that's At the end of the day, what we care about it My Other Boyfriend is a Vibrator is just facilitating those conversations for people to be an active part of the communication and talk about the topics that get us excited.
1: That's great. And, you know, as fellow podcasters, we applaud you. (laughs) It's definitely a learning process, but it's also cool because, you know, really, this is a great medium. You get to talk to interesting people and you get to find out new interesting things and it's a part of your own experience. So more power to you. I encourage folks to listen in. So just tell us again the name of the pod and where to find it.
2: So it's My Other Boyfriend is a Vibrator, and we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, we're out there. Nice.
1: That's great, Harry nice. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Thank you. No,
2: thank you so much for having me. I appreciate talking. That's it for today. If you're interested
0: in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going... Please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at LadyPetraPlayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at RogerFergusonMusic.com. Till next time, cheers!